Well, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Jazz and Group podcast. My name is David Galea and it's great to be able to bring you some more music from some of Australia's best jazz and groove composers. If you'd like to get in touch for whatever reason, whether that be to submit some music, notify us of a new release or any gigs that are coming up that you would like plugged, then please email me at australianjazzandgroovepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be on our mailing list, please also email us to that very same address. So what do we have planned for this episode? Well, we'll be talking to Angie West and Kim Ambrose from Brisbane band The View from Madeline's Couch. We'll also hear from the Dave Dower trio, as well as a new track from Melbourne band Pickpocket. And then we will finish with a track from Brazilian bass player and composer Rodrigo Salgado. But first, let's launch into a track from two-time ARIA award winner, producer, composer and kicking bass player Mitch Cairns. Mitch has quite a CV. Go to his website and you can check out who he's worked with. Some of Australia's most recognised artists, people like Brian Cadd, Pete Sabrano, Leo Sayer, and the list goes on. He released a recording not long ago called The After Hours Project, and we'll hear a track from that. It features Mitch on bass, Bill Risby on keys, and Johnny Salerno on drums. So here it is. This is called Go Easy On Me. Thank you. 
that was the Dave Dow trio with a track called The Junction from an album of his called Made in Sophia. And that featured Dave on piano, Luke Fowler on bass and Matt Fisher on drums. Now, Dave is a South Gippsland local where I live, now living in Melbourne. And he recorded that album while on tour in Bulgaria. And before that, we heard a track from bassist, producer and composer Mitch Cairns with a track from the After Hours project called Go Easy On Me. So now it's my great pleasure to introduce Angie West and Kim Ambrose from The View from Madeline's Couch, local legends in Brisbane. To get us into the picture as to what they are all about, let's listen to a track from their latest recording called Bossa Nova Sunset Club. And this track was written by their bass player, also a local Brisbane legend called OJ Newcomb. And this is a track called Mia Anjo. And please forgive my pronunciation. No doubt I got that wrong. So it features OJ on bass, Angie on vocals, Kim Ambrose on vibraphone, Bruce Woodward on guitar and special guest drummer from Brazil, percussionist Marcio Bahia. So here is Mia Anjo. Thank you. 
It's nice to welcome to the Australian Jazz and Groove podcast, Angie and Kim from The View from Madeline's Couch. Welcome, guys. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Thanks very much for having us. Well, it's fantastic to have you guys on the show. And for those that may not have heard of The View from Madeline's Couch before, could you just give us a brief history as to how long you've been around and what kind of music you guys play? Sure. Um, so this year we're coming up to our twenty. No, oh, we think we've just had our 22nd anniversary for the band. Yep. Um, and we play Brazilian music. We play a lot of bossa nova and samba um, and Brazilian jazz. And in two, I guess we'd been together for six years in 2004, which is when we took our first trip to Brazil. Uh, we felt we really needed to go and study. Uh, and that's when we started also writing our own music in, in this kind of style. So how did you evolve? Like how did you noticeably change your approach to this music once you'd come back from being in Brazil? It, it changed us significantly. It was a huge turning point for us um, in so many ways. In, uh, in first in trusting ourselves, playing this music, even though we're obviously not Brazilian, um, but making connections and building friendships with incredible Brazilian musicians who are our teachers over there that first time we went. Um, who kind of gave us faith to keep doing what we were doing and not to worry about not being Brazilian and not playing it uh, like a Brazilian band and, you know, inverted commas, authentic Brazilian band might play it, but to play with respect and integrity and just, yeah, they were very happy that we loved the music so much and that we put our hearts into it. That was what really was important for us. Yeah, awesome. Get inside the music, find out the nuts and bolts of it, how it works, why there's, I mean, uh, bossa nova music especially has such intricate chord changes they go in different directions you know so to figure out why that is or how it is you listen to the music that was came before then so then you can see the lineage of how it's connected to bossa nova and, and then i recently read the history of bossa nova in a book about joao gilberto who's the greatest exponent of joe beam and stuff and how he came across playing that very stylistic guitar groove which is known as bossa nova, so it comes from the guitar. But he got that from percussion instruments that were in samba, and he worked on that for many years, living in the basically in the bush. Yeah, right. And just playing and practicing and trying to figure out how he could recreate the whole group just with a guitar. Very cool. Working that out, and I mean, just yeah, just enjoying it and. Um, Trying to figure it out. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, trying to figure it out. <laughs> it made a lot of sense when we had your feet in the sand on Copacabana Beach with a beer in your hand, listening to Bossa Nova or Samba, and you go, oh, okay, 
I understand why the groove is the way it is because that's the way that people walk. That's the way they feel. Yeah, yeah. Larry back sort of groove and it makes people feel happy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, that's, you know, it was a big thing of actually going there and seeing it and feeling and it. And feeling it and living it. Why the music is the way it is, why it bounces in that beautiful two feel and the little accents that kick it along and stuff. So, yeah. So you, it's almost like you had to go and experience not just the music, but the culture. Is that that was yeah. so important? Yeah, because yeah, it it was incredibly important to to be part of that uh, and to talk to people about it and to understand where it comes from. Um, and you know, we've we've made friends. You know, we have friendships now with people we met sixteen years ago who are still part of. You know, Marcio, our, the drummer we recently worked with, is one of them. Uh, the family of our first teacher over there. So we've built these beautiful friendships that have remained really important to us over the years that started because we just wanted to go there and study, um, but but our trips there became so much more than that. Yeah, right. So it sounds like you really you decided to make a, a proper commitment to the music because I know as a musician you can you get you go to a gig and they say, let's play a bossa, and you, you kind of feel a little bit sometimes like a bit of a fraud, you know, because you know there's this whole – you know there's this whole backstory, you know there's this whole culture this there, but you don't know it. So so there really must have been, you know, an amazing thing to get that perspective. Yeah, it really was. It and really was. Just to physically be there. Like for me, it was like, you know, we learned off a couple of great people and stuff. But like I said, that first time I went to Copacabana Beach and just sat there and listened to music playing on the radio or some guy busking or something, and, and the feeling that people had was just like, okay, well, that's where the girlfriend from Nina comes from. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then is the next beach along and they they were sitting there in a bar just watching people walk past and you know, there's there's a few other things, but it's just you can understand why he wrote that with that groove. It's just that's the way that she walked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The samba is all about dancing. If you watch a, a great samba dancer, they're moving and they're, they're doing yep. this thing in time of the music and that's the way they walk. Everyone walks. And they yeah, so. the dancers and musicians, you know, they communicate and it's yeah, it's a, an amazing thing to see. Yeah, I can imagine it would. So did you study the language as well? Because I noticed on your latest recording that I've listened to you, you're singing in Portuguese. So did you have to then get a bit of a grasp on the language as well? I did, very much so. Um, I started singing in Portuguese pretty much when the band started. We, we weren't playing um, exclusively Brazilian music for the first few years of the band's life. We were doing a few other bits and pieces um, but it was always the Brazilian music that m- made my heart sing and made me feel the best when I was performing. Um, I couldn't speak Portuguese when I started learning to sing in that language, um, but leading up to the trip to Brazil, uh, I, I had some lessons, some Portuguese lessons, um, and my accent wasn't too bad because I'd been learning by ear from the from the recordings. Um, so I couldn't understand it very well I had a a couple of Brazilian friends who helped me with translations and of lyrics and things so I did understand eventually what I was what I was singing about um that became more and more important to me to not just be a parrot and and give songs inflections or feelings when I was singing it that weren't intended to be there um because I was certainly doing that when I started um but once I got back from Brazil, I started working much harder on, on my pronunciation and I learned to speak it. Not, I wouldn't say that I'm fluent by any means, but that, that first three months in Brazil, we didn't know anyone apart from maybe two people for the whole trip who spoke English. So I had to really 
I had to get my get my Portuguese boots on and and shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> so you were sort of thrown into it, and it's like you had to sink or swim. So that's the best way to learn language, isn't it? <laughs> it is the best way to learn. So I had my vocabulary got pretty good. My grammar was terrible and still is. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I could have a conversation. I could have a conversation with someone and talk about what we were doing there and what we did back in Australia and ask them questions. And right. it, it was, my, that was the best my Portuguese has ever been on that first trip. Right. Yeah, so I did, I did some learning and, um, and still make sure that I'm singing the language as well as I can. And I have written in Portuguese as well, but with help from with my Brazilian friends to help me check grammar and phrasing and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I noticed on your album, is it Levar? Is that how you say it? Levar. Levar. That's you've written that in Portuguese. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so I wrote that. I wrote that song for Marcio actually. So when I write in Portuguese, I try and think of it in that language rather than um, having an English lyric in my head and then translating it. I try and think of it in the Portuguese that I know how to use. Uh, and then, and then, kind of look up words or ask for advice or uh, about how to how to make a sentence flow or a phrase flow um, with the right grammar and yeah, that sort of stuff. So Marcio helped me a little bit with that too. I had to jiggle around uh, the words in the chorus was not sitting really well for me when I was singing it. Um, okay. So I had to work a bit on that. But then yeah, I got it. Got it in the end. So Kim, harmonically, is is Brazilian music based on a set of sort of folk? tunes or is it um because i know for example some of the bossa novas have got very much a jazz heavy influence quarterly is there a set of folk tunes in brazil that you sort of have to get a handle on or what's the case a lot of the music that came before i mean jobin was pretty much the start of the new wave which is bossa bossa nova means new beat okay so Joe Bim and Menescal and Carlos Lira and a few João Gilberto were all at the forefront of all that at the same time. So it was a coincidence of those guys taking it the next step and making it more sophisticated. So the music that came before that was a bit, um, possibly you could say a bit more simpler. Didn't have as many changes and stuff like that. It was still had a bit the of the rhythm was still there. Yeah. But then when it became with those guys, because their love of jazz, they started to throw in different things and, and they were just like, you know, a song like Wave, you know, you've played that. Yep. It just goes through so many different keys. Yeah. You get to the, <laughs> and it still doesn't have a key. Someone says, what key do you play? And well, I'll start in the key, but it could be anything. They just, they just don't have a barrier of keys. They just, if it wants to go that way, they'll go that way. Yeah, they don't have so many rules, it seems. You listen to someone like Hermeto Pascual, um, they kind of throw the rule book out the window. If it feels like it can go there in it, like then then go there. Take yeah. take the song there. Yeah, it's really complicated. You know, with with people trying their music and stuff, they don't freak out like you know some certain you know, styles of music. Um, there's no bossa police. No, exactly. No. And there's no salsa police. <laughs> yeah, you play the you know, salsa. You play the the the, um, the groove the wrong way, they'll kill you. you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like bad. <laughs> the hi-hat on one and three and then yeah it's not going to work so once you get the groove but the piano player that we studied with he made us work on this groove and he got us to play the groove and feel where it right. was and feel the accents of it and where and then once we really got into that that solidified what we were doing because what we were doing was pretty good but a little bit western in a way La 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 
Você pra tonga da 
the Bossa Nova Sunset Club, you released that last year. Is that correct? Yeah, at the end of last year. It feels, it still feels very fresh because we didn't really get a chance to go the whole, you know, the, go the whole promo touring road with it. But I feel like it's our most beautiful album that we've made. And you had a special guest on drums, Marcio. Marcio Bahia. So how did he get involved? Did he come out specifically for the recording? Yes, he did. We brought him out. Um, wow. So we met Marcio in 2004, kind of at the end of our time in Rio before we before we left uh, Rio. And Kim met him at a drum shop and oh, wow. just by chance met him because he heard in conversation that Marcio was having with the shop owner, uh, the name of a musician that we both love that's been kind of my muse and, and inspiration, Joyce Moreno. And Kim asked about, Kim asked the shop owner, oh, you know, was that guy playing with Joyce? Or and he's gone, oh, that's Marcio. Yeah, he's going to tour with her in France. And Kim was like, we're going to France in a couple <laughs> of weeks. And he went, hang on, I'll get him and you can meet him and talk to him. So he did that and Marcio and Kim met and swapped emails and, we just stayed in, we didn't get to see them in France, but um, we stayed in touch. And then in 2008, when we went back again, and this was the trip that we took OJ and our then drummer, Mark Henman, uh, oh, yeah. them to for a big, kind of really to, to write some stuff for the new album and and uh, and play some shows and do some more study, but with, with them. Um, so Marcio, we, we hooked up with Marcio for beers when we got, when we sort of first got to Rio and, it's 11 o'clock at night and he's ringing friends saying, my friends from Australia are here and how about they come over to our little bar in Niteroi next week and, and, and play at our show. Wow. What? Mm. What are you even talking about? He's, no, it'll be great, come. And like, <laughs> we were just pretty nervous because the guys that Marcia was playing in this trio with were like heavy, heavy dudes who turned out to be the most beautiful, gorgeous, big, open-hearted people you could ever meet. And Marcio is um, he's been playing, he was playing drums with Hermeto Pascual for 30 years. Wow. And Hermeto is like one of the just. So he's part of the fabric, isn't he? He oh, is he's part of the fabric. He's visionaries of Brazilian music. Yeah. Contemporary, he's out, he can play, you know, multiple instruments. He can talk. We saw him at a concert. He was talking for like 10 minutes to the audience of people in their 20s. Just captivating them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like a he, wizard. Yeah, he would just say, I'm going to write a song. Okay, let's write a song. So he just starts saying on the piano. He'd tell the bass player, you play this, you play this. and they Tell Marcio a rhythm and they get on onto it. it. Yeah. So wow. that was, in, his creativity is boundless. And so Marcio's, yeah, been very close to him and his family for, for many, many years. Um, so he's a, you know, he's a he's a big dude in, in over there, but he's just this gorgeous, it's humble, gentle, beautiful human being who feels like our, you know, he feels like a brother to us. Yeah. And so we became very close and um, we bought Marcio. Marcio came to Australia in 2012 with Hemiato to do some shows. And while he was here, we brought him up to Brisbane from Adelaide. Oh, nice. Um, and we did a really beautiful show together with him at the jazz club, at the Brisbane Jazz Club. Yep. And then again in 2014, we brought Marcio out again uh, to play a heap of shows with us and to be the ambassador kind of unofficial ambassador for uh, a Brazilian festival that I was producing. Oh, cool. And that was really, really special. Um, and we were back there in, when were we there? 2012. So 2012-13, over that summer, that's the last time we were back in Brazil and we toured, we had a, like a proper tour. Um, Kim and I went over and we were joined by Marcio and the other two musicians that he was doing that original gig with in 2004. Oh, wow. That he invited us to play with. 
So on guitar we had Gino Hangel, who's an amazing jazz guitarist, and uh, Mazzini Ventura on bass, who was he's played with Marcos Valle, toured with him for years, and Schwadonato, all like, just all the big hitters, but these guys are just super humble, super lovely and up for anything pretty much. They'll, they'll play any gig anytime. They don't care who they play with. They just want to make music. Yeah. So do you think their humility sort of gave you, took that barrier away for you to go, you know what, it doesn't matter that these guys are heavy. We're just going to play our music because we know that they're cool. Is that, because that would be pretty daunting otherwise. <laughs> it was pretty scary, but their their attitude just made us feel so comfortable and at home in what we were doing. And they just got us and they understood that, the you know, the reasons that we play this music come from such an honest place. They, you know, they're like, yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's Let's make some music together.
So what was it like having Marcio in the studio with you, like to have that heritage, knowing that he brought that with him? And then did you notice, is there anything that you could say was like a defining moment in the studio? It's just this group. He can play brushes like there's probably a handful of guys in Brazil that can play brushes like he does. And probably he's at the top of the tree because he can just do some really gentle things on brushes. And I can do that rhythm and then put accents on other parts and just recreate things and double time, slow it, you know, like just like out of the whole week of recording, we did 14, 15 tracks. I made quite a few mistakes and did some redubs and stuff like between Marcio and OJ, I think there was two mistakes. And one right. of them was like a cross stick that he did was maybe half a beat late or something. You know, okay. Just, yeah. That was it. It was just nothing. Like, it was just yeah. bang. Those guys just went bang. And we'd had so, a heap of shows with Marcio in the run up yeah. to recording too, which was great. So we got to you know, play as a band before we went into the studio. And Marcio is a meticulous uh, rehearser and researcher. So right. even though, you know, he knows that he's played a lot of this material with us before, um, he's still, he's just so meticulous in the way he rehearses and practices. Um, so when we are in, you know, we got into the studio and it felt like we'd been playing together for years, like all of us together. Yeah, having and, those eight or nine gigs beforehand. Yeah. But it also felt um, really natural and we all, I thought anyway, that we all played differently to how we would play would have played without him right but it all felt so natural and it just flowed so beautifully having him in the studio with us it was it was absolutely incredible i've I've never had a a recording experience like it before yeah wow that's awesome he's also a great friend and he's been through a couple of um hard times in the last two years and losing well he lost his well that's why i wrote lavar for him his his wife his partner of many years um, passed away two years ago, just a couple of days ago, was the anniversary of her death. Oh, that's sad. One of his best friends, which is the guitarist that we work with, Gino Hangel, uh, within like three months of each other. Wow. So last year was incredibly uh, hard for him, uh, losing two people he loved so much. And then uh, so it was it was pretty lovely actually to have him here, sort of coming away from that, leaving Brazil and having a um, – he was here for like – nearly two months, about, yeah, maybe six or seven weeks. And um, just having that space, I think it was really, he talks about that time as being a really um, healing healing time. Yeah, he's just a, he's just such a giving guy. Like even the last time I was there, he gave me all these handwritten notes of grooves and rhythms and accents and all sorts of things. Like different, you know, three, four, five, four, seven, eight, nine, eight, twelve, eight, whatever. Yeah. All these different grooves and different ways of playing and exercises and, and bayals and bawls and all sorts of stuff. And just gave it to me. I mean, everyone in Brazil, you be careful when you ask a Brazilian, say, well, that's a really nice shirt you're wearing because I'll probably give it to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're so generous. And, yeah. And uh, for us coming so far away, that they just wanted to help and they were just amazed and that we wanted, they were interested in their music and stuff. So. Yeah, it's, it's great because you, you talk about that generosity. You can hear it in your music in that recording. Um, you know, it's, you know, I listen to a lot of recordings that are great, like really sort of heavy jazz stuff that sort of sort of challenges you. But it was really nice to be able to listen to an album that just made you feel good. You can just feel that pocket that Marcio's got in it. But I really thought the other guys in the group that aren't 
you know, from Brazil, not you guys, but the other guys, that they really just lifted with it. You could hear them in that recording lift with that groove. They still got to play the way they do. Like Bruce played just the way he plays. Yeah. He plays a bit of Brazilian groove, but he plays his own way. And that's what I wanted because we're not from Brazil. So this is the guitarist that wants to play with us and is fantastic. And he's going to play this way. And that's great. It's got a little offshoot of it. I mean, it's not heavy jazz that people are going to go, the hardcore people are going to go, oh, listen to that triplet. And I'm not really fussed about that. But as long as they just grooved, I'd rather have someone just, I'm happy if someone wants to sit in the chair and fall asleep listen to the music. That's great. I want to go have a beer. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather people have a have a have a real heart response or an emotional response to it, rather than a cerebral one. But yeah, that album particularly is so much from the heart for us. That's a really nice thought. You were talking before about Levar and how you wrote that for Marcio. I was wondering if you'd be able to just explain what the lyrics mean about that tune um, before we listen to it as the end of this interview. Levar came very, very quickly to me after we um, just FaceTimed with Marcio uh, not long after Danny had passed away. Um, And it was really, you know, it was so beautiful to see him, but it was so hard to see him in such pain and grieving. And the next morning I just kind of poured out of me in in about half an hour. Yeah. Just there it was, and I knew that I couldn't finish writing it really until Marcio came here because the song didn't have its rhythm yet. Yeah, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to put anything to it or make it be anything until he had, until he was here really, and we could we could do we could figure it out or he could figure it out with me and for me, and what he did on it was just I just thought it was so perfect. Yeah, it's great. I, I listened to it, and now that you've said that it was, it's, it's a story about loss. Um. I'm assuming, or because I can't understand the words, but but that that's got this killer groove to it as well. Oh, <laughs> we had such a fun afternoon doing that in the studio. On the floor playing little wood blocks and things. Yeah, I played a few of the, I played a few. I played uh, Sudu and a couple of other things on it, but Marcio laid down most of the most of the rhythm tracks, and he you know he showed me what to what to play. Yeah, but um. Yeah, he and he had a lot of fun. He was just sort of looking around the room and seeing, oh, what can I? Oh, look, there's some kashishis over there. I'm going to grab them and yeah. found some woodblocks to play. And he just sort of laid it all out. And was like, okay, Paulie, hit record. And he'd just start, you know, just start wow. doing stuff. And then we just, yeah, just sort of moved it in and out of the song. And uh, yeah, that was such, that was one of the most beautiful experiences. So, what do the actual lyrics in Portuguese mean in the tune? You know, there's not that many words in it, but the, the verses just talk about um, the beautiful things about the person who has gone that you'll remember. Yep. Uh, and the chorus is saying Yamanja is the goddess of the sea and it's asking Yamanja to take sadness away with her on the tide. Right. Okay. That's what the song is. Yeah, cool. So quickly, where, where can people buy your music from so that they can support you? They can buy the album uh, vinyl or CD or digital download on Bandcamp. So just Bandcamp slash Madeline's Couch or The View from Madeline's Couch. Um, they can also get in touch with us directly um, through the website madelinescouch.com or info at madelinescouch.com and we're happy to, to organise the posting of a CD or vinyl uh, to wherever they are. Well, guys, I can highly recommend that everyone go out and buy this album, particularly buy a physical copy because the artwork is stunning. Well, Kim and Angie from The View for Madeline's Couch, it's been so awesome to have you on the Australian Jazz and Groove podcast. 
Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today and all the best for the future, guys. No worries, mate. Thank you so much.
So that was The View from Madeline's Couch from their Bossa Nova Sunset Club release from 2019, and that was a track called Levar. So now to a new recording from Melbourne band Pickpocket. Now, Pickpocket are under the leadership of bassist and composer Craig Strain, and this is a single of their soon-to-be-released recording, and it's available now on their Pickpocket Bandcamp page, so please go and check it out. Now, Pickpocket feature on drums Matthias Edwards, as we said, Craig Strain on bass, on guitar Neil Boland, on percussion Phil Benotto, on trumpets Miles Izo and Alex Halroyd, Brett Evans on sax and Andrew Boyle on keys, quite a big band. So this is their first single, as we said, from that release, and it's called How About It.
So that was How About It from Melbourne band Pickpocket. That was super funky and great horn section on that, just killing it. Well, now to our very last track for this episode. And we are continuing with the Brazilian theme by listening to a release from Brazilian bass player, but now Melbourneian Rodrigo Salgado and a track from his release entitled Somewhere. We will listen to that title track, which also features his Brazilian buddies, Misael Silverstreet on piano, Pedro Almeida on drums, Livio Almeida on saxophone, and as we said, Rodrigo Salgado on bass. So this is a track entitled Somewhere.
So that was Rodrigo Salgado and the title track from his release, Somewhere. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, folks. So good to have been able to catch up with Angie West and Kim Ambrose from The View from Madeline's Couch. Also great to hear music from Mitch Cairns, Dave Dower, Pickpocket and Rodrigo Salgado. So please support these great artists by going to their Bandcamp page and buying their music. And please, if you can leave a positive review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast, that would be much appreciated if you could do that. So until next time, take care and it's bye for now. Cheers.